Well, you only live once, maybe not And this life right now might be all we've got So let's contemplate the hereafter While we speculate with some laughter About this grim thing that happens to us all After that final curtain call But before you take that final breath Let's laugh about, let's laugh about Welcome to Let's Laugh About Death, the dramedy podcast that celebrates life while contemplating the inevitable. I'm your host, Tim Rooney, and I'm going to be honest with you, this episode, I wasn't really sure how I was going to handle it, because my guest today is a retired police officer, police sergeant, 25 years, and we recorded this episode literally one day before George Floyd's death, and that's something I wanted to acknowledge is the fact that we don't talk about that on this episode. And so I wanted to address that right away. And again, it was recorded before all that happened. You know, we do talk about COVID a little bit and we do talk about, of course, his experiences as a cop and some of the things that he's experienced as a cop, you know, relating to the subject of this podcast, you know, how he handles death on the job and things of that nature. But one other thing about my guest, Patrick O'Donnell, is he's a writer. He left the police force and started Cops and Writers. And uh, he's also written novels of his own. He's a sci-fi writer. We talk a bit about that. He's got an interesting book that he's written that I want to check out personally. It's he, he calls it a combination between James Bond and Mad Max. So it sounds pretty cool. But uh, yeah, it's... Um, it's a great conversation. It's something that, uh, you know, we talk about how he uses humor as a coping mechanism. You know, they call it cop humor. And it's a, it's a coping mechanism to deal with the horrors of what they see on the job. Because there are some stories that are pretty graphic that he tells me. And, of course, being a cop for 25 years, I can only imagine what you're going to see. So, and I want to warn you, there's some pretty graphic stuff in this one. But, uh, yeah, it's a great conversation, and be prepared for a wild one. Well, I appreciate that. No problem. No problem. Uh, tell me about, you know, about yourself, your, where you're from, and... and uh, because uh, that's, you know, we'll just get to know you. And then at one point, I'm going to bring up that big question of what do you think happens, you know, when we die? So, but uh, <laughs> okay, that's how this podcast works. It's very free flowing. It's more conversational. It's not a Q&A or anything like that. So, and that's what I like it. When I uh, interview people or talk to people, that's what I try to accomplish as well. That's, Excellent. Okay. That's the, the best format, I think. D- totally, totally. Otherwise, sure. it sounds very formulaic and nothing against those. Yeah, you don't want it all scripted. Totally. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, what was your line right. there? Hang on, let me read my script. <laughs> Sorry, I've got a really <laughs> stupid sense of humor. So, that, scripted, I mean, damn it, you're a fraud. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So, tell me, tell me about yourself. All right, uh, my name is Patrick O'Donnell. As you can tell, I am Polish, just from my name. Um, oh, we're going to get along actually, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you can see from my name, um, I am the product of two Irish immigrants. 
from County Mayo in Ireland. Okay. They both, uh, my mom immigrated over from Ireland when she was 12 or 13. Oh, wow. My dad came over when he was 19. But they were both born in the same little village. Neat. That's a long story. That could be a podcast in itself. It's a really neat story. <laughs> but anyways, they wound up. <laughs> yeah. But they wound up in Chicago. Okay. So, like, Irish people, you know, yeah, Boston, that's... New York, Jersey, Chicago. You know, there isn't a lot of choices for us. So, yeah. that's, you know, that's where we go. And uh, wound up in Chicago. And um, I lived in Chicago and a northwest suburb until I was a freshman in high school. Where, then, uh, whereabouts? Because uh, I'm actually originally from the Arlington Heights area myself. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, for, we moved to Niles. Oh, yeah, okay. We, um, I was born on the south side. I was born at Holy Cross Hospital across the street from Marquette Park. Wow. On okay. uh, South California. And I'm a Cubs fan. I'm not a Sox fan. Sorry. <laughs> but, <laughs> so... And the only thing I can say about that location is when they filmed the Blues Brothers, that famous scene where they went over the bridge after the Nazis. Yeah, they yeah. all had to jump in the lagoon. Uh-huh. I was born across the street from there. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, that that's, yes, that's, uh, I got to love. And, Blues Brothers is one of those movies. Oh, man, yeah. Yep. And then the other tax trivia is my brother was a busboy at the Park Ridge Country Club when he was in high school, he's three years older than me. Mm-hmm. And when they were filming the blues brothers, that one scene with the two sheriff's deputies that pulled them over and they had squads. If you, if you're into the blues brothers, those state oh, yeah. County municipal offender, that you know, blah, 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 that big face uh-huh. that was in front of the um, country club. And I remember my brother coming home from work. He's like, dude, it was the coolest night. We saw Belushi and Aykroyd out there. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> They're like, Oh, awesome. is that cool? Oh, that movie is a so classic. That that's yep. one of those movies being from, you know, from Chicago. I, Cause we, I, I tell people that aren't from the area I'm from Chicago, but you know, anybody who's from Chicago is going to say, uh, you're not from Chicago. I have gone over that several times, but being from the Chicago metropolitan area, blues brothers is almost a, it's almost, yeah, it's a very iconic. It was a large piece of my childhood. I mean, I was, I was young when it came oh, out, absolutely. but I grew up with it, you know? So, yep. Oh yeah, I mean that was that was a big, big, big deal. You know, Mayor oh, yeah. Burton was the uh, mayor back then, mm-hmm. and yeah, it it was a huge deal. But anyway, totally. so I grew up as a young kid in the inner city in Chicago. Wow! And then we moved to Niles when I was probably about I don't know uh, six or seven. Okay. And I went to you know a Catholic grade school, complete with nuns and priests and Wait, you're, all that. You're oh, Irish. You're I've Irish. Been... And you went to a Catholic grade school. Really? Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, people often ask me about that, and you know, it's like, well, in Ireland, is everybody Catholic? And I said, well, like ninety-five percent is Catholic, five percent is like maybe Protestant and some other stuff, and maybe a half a percent are from a different you know world of some type. Exactly. But, yeah, you, there is. There's no choice in that. You, you just are. And, yeah. You know, and I've got the stereotypical little Irish mom. You know, she's 80 years old. She's four foot ten. Oh, that's and awesome. And she weighs 100 pounds soaking wet. And I'm oh. scared to death of her. You know, I, <laughs> my wife makes fun of me all the time. She's just like, she's just a little, oh, no, uh-uh, scared of mom. Mom is a frightening little person. She's, hey, that's great that she makes it that far, though. You know, she's 95. That's a, That's impressive. No, she's 80. She's oh, 80. Oh, oh, 80. But, I thought, oh, 95 pounds. Sorry. I thought you said she was 95. Yeah. I'm like, wow, yeah. No, oh, maybe 80, I yeah. did. But 
my grandma, her mom made it to 96. That's awesome. And she was like a little carbon copy of her and she smoked and drank every day. That you is... know, it was funny. <laughs> my my mom is at the doctor's office like a couple of years ago. And, you know, they go in and take your blood pressure and your pulse and your temperature and all that. And the nurse is looking at my mom and she's like, um, this is O'Donnell. Um, says here on your chart, you drink every day. And she says, yes, since I was a little girl. You know, she still has the Irish brogue. And she, oh, yeah. <laughs> the nurse is looking at her like, what the hell? Has anybody ever talked to you about this? And she said, what do they need to talk about? And it was like, yeah, just walk away, walk away. You're not going to change the little old lady's mind. It's not going to happen. That's awesome. That's, you know, it's funny. You you mentioned the, uh, the Irish uh, uh, accent and everything. It's like, I, I, you know, play around with voices and stuff and I cannot do an Irish accent to save my life. (laughs) (laughs) It helps if you have some booze in your system. That is for sure. True. True. Yeah. It was funny because, when I'd have friends come over to the house, they're like, dude, we can't understand your parents. I'm like, what? And my mom has a thicker accent than my dad. My dad was in Ireland a lot longer. Uh-huh. So I don't understand that at all. But my mom's so stubborn, like most little Irish women are, <laughs> that she probably just didn't want to give it up. That's oh, my sure. theory. It's not scientific at all, but that's my theory, and I'm sticking with it. Hey, the, um, the stubbornness yeah. is what's keeping her alive, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's, yeah, she's, she's quite the feisty one. Mom and dad are still alive. They're both 80, and they're they're kicking good. That's they're excellent. They're kicking good. Nice. But anyways, uh, we wound up in rural Wisconsin. The, my dad worked for a dairy, and it closed, and they offered him a job as a supervisor in a dairy in Whitewater, Wisconsin. I've never even heard of that. Which is, yeah, it's a little town of about 12,000 people, <laughs> maybe about an hour southwest of Milwaukee. Okay. So we wound up living in a small town about 10, 15 minutes away called Fort Atkinson. Okay. And that is, it was a cute little farming town more than anything. But when we moved there, my brother and I are like, what the hell? Oh, yeah. You know, they didn't even have a McDonald's. The only <laughs> fast food restaurants they had was a Dairy Queen and a Pizza Hut. That was the entire like city. And I'm like, are uh, you effing kidding me? This is bullshit. Yeah. You know, how can I be a teenager and not have at least a McDonald's to go to or whatever? So yeah, we uh, weren't too happy. And I thought everybody was going to be like these really friendly farmer people. Oh hell no! I was in a fight every day. Really? It, oh god, yes. I mean, there were some nice people, but there was a lot of clannish. Very close-minded. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's I. I moved, like I said, from the or I. I was from the Chicago area, and around thirteen or so, I moved to a uh, an area. Uh, it, we moved to Michigan, and I lived there up until just a couple of years ago. And when I first moved there, it was like, good God, am I? Did I move to Mayberry? You know, and it was like just the same kind of reaction, but it was just myself and everybody else. You know, my my older siblings had mostly moved out of the house, and and. Uh, Okay. One of my sisters, you know, of course, Irish Catholic. So there were seven of us. Um, but uh, um, <laughs> it was uh, um, it was it was like a, a culture shock, you know. And then I and I learned to associate with it later. But fortunately, we didn't have a lot of that. I mean, we did have the closed mindedness, and we did have the, you know, the the closet racism kind of thing going on. But it wasn't like you know you didn't have clansmen that I'm aware of at least. So I mean, that's that's our clan, well, you know, clannish mentalities. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean the KKK. They oh, were yeah. just very, if you weren't from there, you weren't one of them. Oh, yeah. You know, they yeah. wanted nothing to do with you. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, it was, 
I'm my first day in high school, and I started at Notre Dame High School for Boys. I think that's in Des Plaines. Yes. And yeah. I started there. My brother was a senior. I was a freshman. I was all jacked up. I was super happy to get there. You know, it was just high school for boys. Um, monks actually ran it. Like, the dudes in robes and, and sandals were, like, like, walking around. Right out of heaven help us. Yeah, and, yeah, heaven <laughs> help you if you got out of line. That's for damn well <laughs> sure. Have you ever seen that movie? They Kevin had a Help Dean Us? Go- no, no. Oh, you, oh, you got to see it. It's it's got Kevin Dillon. And, okay. Uh, yeah, it's about a cat an all boys Catholic high school in the sixties. Well, then I would definitely get the uh, the humor. You would absolutely, sure. and and that's I went to a, a, a you know co-ed or whatever you know boys and girls up from uh, uh, in in Illinois. I went till seventh grade, and then in uh, Michigan, I went from eighth through uh, senior year of high school at Catholic school. So yeah, I get that, but it, it was different. This is, this is more, sounds like what you went to school, you know, that whole monks and robes. That's what these guys looked like. So check that movie out if you can find oh, yeah. it. <laughs> okay. I will do that for sure. But, you know, I go from this super structured, you know, high school was, it was totally college prep. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, okay, you're going to have four years of science, four years of math. I was in the jazz band. I was one of the only freshmen that made the, the jazz band. You had to audition for everything. Everybody oh, wow. didn't win. Every, you know, you actually had to audition, and they didn't care about your feelings. You know, <laughs> that's just the way it was. Either you were good enough or not good enough to do it. Wow. So I was super stoked. I'm like, okay, life is going to be great. So we got pulled out of the, our roots. And my first day in high school, well, it was junior high because I went to ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're in the principal's office, you know, writing up reports or whatever. We got to do paperwork. So she's like, okay, go to homeroom. And I'm like, okay. So I find my homeroom, knock on the door. And it's one of the PE teachers, a female PE teacher. Mm-hmm. And she looks at the report, at the paperwork. And she's like, oh, this is Patrick O'Donnell. He's from Chicago. Huh. And I'm like, oh, God. all right. Yeah. This is great. So everyone's just like looking up at this, at this guy and, you know, whatever. So, she grabs a piece of paper and she says, okay, who wants to show him where his classes are and where his locker is? Nobody raises their hand. Wow. And I'm looking around and everyone's wearing jeans and t-shirts. I'm dressed up. My mother made me dress up oh, in dress clothes. God. And I'm like, okay, first huge mistake. So <laughs> she volunteered a uh, one of the students. Here, show Pat around. Okay, fine. So we go outside. He crumples up the paper, throws it, and he says, go find your own fucking locker, and just walks away. And I'm like, wow, this is going to be fun. Oh, yeah, I'm uh, so happy I'm here. Oh, my God. This blows. But whatever. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward, I'm, I make it through high school. I go to college in Whitewater, UW Whitewater. Okay. And I got it. I started out as a, actually as a music major, and then um, – I always liked the police stuff, so I took some intro to criminology courses. I really liked that. And the music courses were very long and tedious. You'd have, like, class piano, which you only got, like, two credits, and it was five days a week. And wow. I was working I was working full time. Yeah. I was between 35 to 40 hours a week when I was going to college. Ugh. And it varied. Sometimes it was only 30 hours, but, you know, it went back and forth. So I was really busy. Yeah. I paid for my own education, you know, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> so I'm, you know, I just get done unloading trucks. I'm in my, I just got done unloading trucks, you know, clothes. 
and I'm surrounded by everybody wearing black and looking goth and you know, whatever. And I just did not fit in that group at all. So I'm like, all right, here we go again. <laughs> so I, um, <laughs> I got done with that and I'm like, well, I'll, I'll go the criminology route. So my degree is in sociology. I have a minor in criminal justice. And when I was a junior in high school, I did an internship with the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Department. And that was fantastic. Oh, my God. That really got me stoked. It's like, yeah, I want to be a cop. This rocks. You get to drive fast. You get to do all kinds of cool stuff. You oh, know, wow. They like, had yeah. to do it all that kind of stuff. That's that's pretty cool, actually. Uh, they don't anymore. Oh, yeah, know, that's the first, true. <laughs> the first, like, three weeks or four weeks, um, I was in the jail. And it was summertime. And this jail did not have air conditioning. They had forced air, so it was like old, stale air just uh. being recirculated. And it was so nasty. The first day they put me on, like, the most violent offender crazy wing. You know, people are throwing their shit around. They're doing oh, all kinds of And I'm just like, wow, this is so crazy. Uh. But, you know, it was kind of neat. Well, it wasn't kind of neat. It was neat. Then I was out on the road. The sheriff's department takes care of the highways around Milwaukee and in Milwaukee. I was, uh, I did that. Then I was on, uh, in the airport. Okay. They're responsible for airport security. And I did like parks and transit. They're also in charge of, uh, the, the city parks and buses, you know, that kind of thing. They respond to calls for that. And I did it. A week with the eviction squad. Oh my oh, god. Oh god. That was it was two plainclothes deputies and a moving truck followed them around. So, you know, it's like obviously there's warning after warning after warning. Yeah, you're getting kicked out, you're getting kicked out. So you get there and everybody's angry, nobody's happy. Yeah, yeah. And literally, you know, it's like they gave them, you know, go get your personal effects, but everything else is coming with us, your couch, your T V, your whatever. It's all getting put in the, um, the movers are kind of snatch all that up and it's going to storage. Damn. And I'm like, holy shit. Dude, <laughs> I saw some monumental battles. Oh my God. You know, you're taking, you're kicking people out of their house. They're yeah, not too happy about yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're disrupting, literally disrupting their lives. Yes. Yeah. And, so and you like, saw oh, all this as a gosh. kid. Yeah. I'm, I'm a college kid and I'm just like, man, this rocks. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is, this is amazing. So I'm like, all right, I could do this. So I finished up college and I started, um, I wanted to move to Madison. I, I like Madison more. It's when you're young and yeah, when you're young and you're having fun, Madison's a great town. To live. Yeah. I've, I've, really I've actually is. went to Madison, uh, for a film festival for one of our movies that, uh, that I was involved in. And, uh, it's a cool little town. It, it, it had very much a, um, a college town type of feel, you know, but it was, it was a neat oh, yeah. town. I liked it when we were there for, it was a, just an extended weekend kind of thing, but I, I did enjoy the area. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it's a good time. And I interviewed when I was going back for my intern, trying to get an internship and they sit down and they talk to me and uh, they're like, well, we expect our interns to write, you know, like five different papers on this and that. And most of them are Rhodes Scholars. And I'm thinking, I'm like, man, you got the wrong guy. I am the furthest thing from a Rhodes Scholar you're ever going to find. You know, it's like I just came back from getting kicked out of college the second time because of bad grades. 
Because I just, being Irish, I drank too much. I worked full-time, and I went to school full-time. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I burned the candle on many inns when I was younger, when you could actually do that kind of stuff. It's only, yeah. And, and yeah. So I get done with all that. I got married, like, right after college. I was engaged in college. And then we moved to Madison. I got a job at Pizza Hut that lasted six months. Then I worked at IHOP as a manager for a year mm-hmm. and I was in more fights in one year at IHOP <laughs> than I was in 25 years of being a cop in Milwaukee. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, every night was a battle. Just drunk. Assholes. Drunk. I was going to say you just know, a bunch of assholes. Belligerent. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I just, I just cringe thinking about it. And I'm like, Oh, holy shit. So my, my ex-wife now, you know, she's just like, Hey, I was looking at the paper and, uh, there was a ad for um, car salesman. You know, you like cars. I'm like, sure. Why not? So I go and I get interviewed by this guy. He's just this super tough Vietnam vest that had a bone crushing handshake and he was all business. I mean, you could cut yourself on the creases of his suit and I'm just like, Oh my God. He says, well, I'll tell you what, O'Donnell says it's between you and another person. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hire you both. Whoever sells the most cars at the end of the month stays. The other one gets fired. How's that? I'm like, well, compared to what I have been doing, sure, why not? <laughs> so, and in the meantime, I was looking for police jobs. I tested for Madison's fire department. I broke my thumb during that test, but oh well. And Madison, I quickly discovered, wasn't looking for like law and order criminology kind of people. They were looking for English professors and social study teachers. And gotcha. they didn't want like, they didn't want cops. Yeah. They wanted social workers. on. So whatever, so be it. And I sold cars and I bartended for four years. And what that did for me is between IHOP and selling cars, I learned to talk to people. I learned how to talk to people. Oh, I learned sure. how to de-escalate people. I learned, you know, it's like, I learned to talk people into things that they didn't want to do. And it's like, hey, you're coming in here. Everybody lies to you. Hey, what can I do for you today? Just looking. Even though they have a pocket full of money, yeah. ready to go. <laughs> they know exactly what they want. But, you know, it's it's a natural reflex. and You can't let it get to you. But I learned how to talk to people of all different kinds of socioeconomic classes, you know, from the richest of the rich to, like, middle income kind of folk, you know, Joe Lunchpail to the college professor. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and that was just out of survival. And it was fun to bartend too. And I touched a couple of different police departments and I made it on the city of Milwaukee. Okay. And I'm like, yes. So that's where I wound up. So I worked for Milwaukee from January 16 to February 20, January 16 to 95 to February 21st of this year. Oh, wow. I'm retired. So you just retired. Yep, I uh, I did 17 years of that was as, a, I'm sorry, a little bit more than that, was a street sergeant, and I worked nights for 17 years, and the rest is day shift. Nights are rough. So I, I, I worked all over the city. I've been, you know, at first, you know, when you asked me to be on a podcast, I'm like, well, I have been around a lot of dead bodies. <laughs> That's- so maybe this... That's honestly, that's kind of why I was like, okay, 25 years, I can only imagine what you've seen. So, yeah, you know, Milwaukee is consistently one of the most violent, like we're in the top 10, usually one of the most violent cities in the country, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
when I got hired, it was the height of the crack wars. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was just, and I, I want, when I first got assigned, I was a district five, which was arguably the worst district to be in like violence wise. And it was midnight to eighth and it was at least one shooting a night, if not more. Jeez. And that, and that yeah, doesn't mean somebody's dead, but. But that means that there's shit going on. I mean, you're working night shift oh. in a violent city. That's in the, in the most violent district. Shit. Yeah. I, yeah, I can only imagine and, the shit you saw. And that's a street, that's being a street cop. And, um, I did that for oh, six, no, a little over seven years. And then I promoted to sergeant and I'm, I moved like all around the city. So I had a good education of different parts of the city, different, you know, that's what they do with supervisors. They don't, they don't keep you at one spot forever because they don't want you getting too comfortable and too friendly with your troops. Gotcha. Okay. You, you gotta be, you gotta be a boss. Yeah. So, you gotta be able to separate yourself to some degree at least. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I did that and probably about five years ago, no, about seven years ago, I went through a super nasty divorce. I almost lost everything. I, uh, I had to claim bankruptcy. My house was almost going into foreclosure. There was blood in the water and my ex was the shark going for it. It was horrible. She was going after the kids. She was just, it was a horrible, horrible time. It, I can't describe how, yeah, that was, that's the lowest I've ever been. And then on top of that, all the fun work stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 You got to sprinkle that job. in just for funsies, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, I'm going to the super stressful job to relax tonight. Yeah. All right. This is cool. Uh, so, <laughs> and that's, and yeah, you, you but, went, it sounds like you went through the, the, epitome of stereotypical bad divorce because you know a lot of large oh, yeah. people separate amicably and they're like we're gonna stay friends but we can't be together because we drive each other's nuts you know that kind of thing but yeah you sound it sounds like you had uh divorced from a monster type of thing so oh yeah it was it was a two-year battle oh god yeah and yeah, i don't know how many times we were in court it was and you know my ex-wife I try to be nice. Yeah, yeah. I really do. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the first attorney that she hired was terrible. And, yeah, I told her, I said, you know what? This is just between you and I. I said, this is going to be really long and drawn out because this guy doesn't, he does not know his shit. I checked his record on public records. You know, he's been busted for drunk driving. He can't pay his target card. He's got a tax lien on his business. I said, is this really who you want representing you? He is a shitbag. (laughs) <laughs> he is your stereotypical, just shady lawyer, shady, just yeah. going after money. So it took her a year to figure out, yeah, this guy's no good. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> so then she hired the, I call them the fembot super attorneys. It was an all female um, law firm that, I mean, like the girl that represented her, she was a um, like concert pianist as well. Oh, wow. And super sharp. Yeah. And, by the end of everything, she was ready to strangle my ex. You know, she just, there's reasonable and then there's just, you know, stupid. Yeah. And she was just being stupid. You're not going to get everything you want. You know, if X, Y, and Z is occurring, then X, Y, and Z is going to, you know, that's what's going to happen. That's, that's going to be the outcome. You know, you, just because you're, you think you're, you know, your mom, which is true, 
you know, that doesn't mean you're going to get 100% custody. You're going to get everything. You're going to bleed me dry down to nothing. And by the time it was all almost over with, the, we had to get a guardian litem, which sucked. I mean, she was very nice, but she was ready to give me 100% custody. And I was just like, no, I will not do that. 50-50, that's all I wanted. That's, that's what cool. I argued. Kids need both their parents. Because my nice. ex-wife is still, she's a decent person. She's just unreasonable with this. Yeah. And I thought she was a good mom. So, you know, it's like, no, you don't do that. So, anyway, so, yeah, you know, for a while I was living in my parent, my buddy's basement, you know, when I was going through this stuff. And, you know, of course, you know, he's Irish and he <laughs> married a girl from Ireland. So, and, of course, oh, he's wow. a cop, you know. So, so yeah, so you, yeah guys, you can imagine the drunken episodes we've say, had. You guys had a drink once in a while. <laughs> oh, God. That uh, is a part of it. Yeah, there's no yeah. get, there's no escaping it. That's... So about when the divorce was going and maybe a little bit before, I was thinking to myself, well, I'm going to be done with this career, you know, in the foreseeable future. And I started thinking of what do I want to do afterwards? Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, I made a very long list of shit that I did not want to do. Never work in restaurants again. Never sell cars again. <laughs> um, and then um, the, the top of the list was I don't want to be a cop again. Never. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'll retire at 55. It, this is a young guy's game. I don't want to be rolling around on the ground fighting with people yeah. when I'm 55 years old. You know, it just, and I did not, I was not an inside cat. I was a street guy. I wanted to be on the street, and that's what I was. You know, you have a front row seat to Bizarro Land and just <laughs> the craziest shit. You know, and it, it was totally cool, and every night was something <laughs> different. And if I was inside work, and it's like, I might as well get an office job. That's not me. Yeah, I, mean, I can see that. Not me at all. <laughs> so front row seat to Bizarro Land. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's like one one of my cops said, "You know, Sarge, we 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 do a job that people make movies about and TV shows about." And I'm like, I never thought of that. You know, I never yeah. even thought of it that way. But I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. Dude, we kind of do do that. Think but, about it. There's a whole like subgenre. Of police, oh, God, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's all, yeah, totally. They make they make shows about it. They make movies about it. There's, you know, there's been franchises, you know, Lethal Weapon, all that kind of stuff. Yep. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, so I, so what happened was I thought to myself, I'm going to start writing. Well, I'm Irish, you know. It's like just for career wise, either I was going to be a firefighter, a cop, or a politician. <laughs> I, I hate politics. I don't like heights, so I kind of was a cop by default, really. And um, they're also good writers. So a buddy of mine, he was also a sergeant. He was working on his PhD, and he wrote a post-apocalyptic book and threw it up on Amazon. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, you can self-publish. I didn't even know you could self-publish. Oh, totally, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, believe me, I know now (laughs) because I've – I've, I've self-published four books Nice, and, um, it's funny. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is a cool thing to do. You know, I, I, the first book I wrote was terrible, which most people's first books are. (laughs) And that was called, I never wore plaid insider secrets from a former car salesman. And it was more or less how to buy a car. Nice. And, uh, I mean, there wasn't a huge market for it, but still, it's it's yeah, being able and, and, and I will be honest with you. I, speaking as somebody who has literally just gone and said we're just looking, I have been that person. But I can <laughs> imagine 
you know, th- I mean, not that that had money in my pocket. I've never walked around with a wad of cash in my pocket right. or, or had the ability. It was literally usually a case of, okay, we're going to look um, just to see what's out there because I, I think sure. I, I, we bought one new car in our lives and we ended up, we did bankruptcy, so it's gone. But um, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's one of those, and trust me, I've, yeah, I, uh, I've had to file twice myself, you know, so. Once uh, was because yeah, it's of, painful. It is painful, you know. And once I, I opened up a, I opened up a business selling sports plaques. Now, mind you, I am not a sports fan. I really am not. But I was good at okay. being able to, you know, help people in with what they wanted. It was mostly like, you know, I, I was in the Michigan area, so it was mostly, uh, uh, you know, the uh, Red Wings and Pistons and things like that. Yeah. Um, sure. But occasionally we'd get the extra, you know, we'd get the Chicago Bulls, you know, 1990 Chicago Bulls, that kind of stuff. Anyway, sure. I was the owner and I opened up four days before 9-11 and the mall was oh, a ghost. To, yeah, I lost my ass. So uh, that was the oh, first yeah. time. That was, yeah, you know, so, um, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's. I think a manual like that, though, for someone who sincerely wants to go out. I'm, I'm assuming you are teaching people the signals, what to look for, how much you can negotiate, right. what can you get away with, you know, yep. those kinds of things. That that's actually right. that's very cool because I know I I honestly almost got a job doing car sales about a year ago, and something in my gut said, no. I bought a suit. It's in my no. closet. I've worn it once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's a tough business, and hats off to people that do it. Absolutely. And the turnover is crazy. I mean, I remember the owner would walk up to you, and he's like, what are you doing to save your job today, rookie? Oh, God. Like, oh, this is going to be a great day. Yeah. yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, it just, oh, you know, I, but I thought it was great because I was only working 60 hours instead of 80 hours a week. <sighs> God. So I'm just like, okay, this ain't so bad. 60 hours, I can do this standing on my head. When I became a cop, it was the first job I ever had since I was 16 that I had two days off in a row. I thought I died and went to heaven. I'm like, man, wow. I get to play in the ghetto all night long, and I get two <laughs> days off, and I get health insurance? Oh, my God, this is the best. And they pay me to be here, like, more than 40 hours a week? What? You're, That's crazy. You're making me appreciate my, uh, you know, my job and not to bitch so much. <laughs> I, work, I work 9 to 5 right now in my bedroom. <laughs> oh, wow. So I'm able to work from home, yeah. fortunately, you know, during all the COVID thing. Yeah. So, you know, right. when I get, oh, my God, I can only oh, I can only imagine the kind of just ridiculous, unnecessary just that's all the stuff that drives me nuts is is you know the unnecessary shit. I you you were living in a in a in a swimming pool of that every night. Yep. Yeah. You know, it just so I I wrote that book and I wrote a couple. I wrote a, a post apocalyptic book because that's what my friend wrote and nice. he made a ton of money off of it. Nice. But I did not. Uh. Um. I did okay. And then I wrote a book about divorce because, yeah, that's what I went through. Yeah. And write what you know, I, they say. Um, yeah, exactly. So then I was writing the sequel to the post apocalyptic book because I had a micro group of people that actually liked it. And <laughs> they were like, so I was writing the sequel. I'm halfway done with it, but I joined all these independent writing groups. Okay. And one of them is called 20 Books to 50K. And. There's about 40,000 people in there. I'm one of the moderators right now, actually. I help run oh, it. Oh, wow. Okay. And I learned the business. You know, I, I learned by doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I made plenty of mistakes writing the other books, but I figured out, you know, the 
writing is one thing, but marketing is a completely different beast. That's and yeah. advertising, and it's that's that's the tough part. Writing isn't so bad, but the other stuff just sucks. It's really bad. That's so I, so be it. Yeah, I, I deal with that. <laughs> what? Um, no, that's okay. What? So I, I'm curious about the post-apocalyptic. What? Give me give me a brief synopsis. Like if I was looking at the back of the book, what what kind of what uh, what kind of uh, uh, flavor and taste did you take on the whole post-apocalyptic thing? This was a a guy who had to retire. He was a police sergeant. He had to retire from the police department because he was involved in a bad shoot. So he was forced to retire. Okay. And when that happened, there was some dirty bombs that went off in the United States. Everybody had to shelter in place, believe it or not. <laughs> and he was more or less in his basement for, you know, like six months or something, something like that. Until the government said it was okay to start breathing you know, fresh air. You could go outside for five minutes. Then you have to go back inside. You can't drink the water, you know, blah, blah, blah. And one of his kids was going to school in Madison and it takes place in Wisconsin. Okay. One of his kids was going to college in Madison and he, um, got kidnapped. So of course he's got to go find his kid. And one of his friends that he was, that's also a cop at a different agency contacted him. And there was this secret organization that, um, was planning to overthrow the president because the president was this um, <laughs> super pacifist, and that's one of the reasons why we got into the war that we got into. We were a soft target. Mm. You know, he's he was being warned over and over again, "Hey, this is going to happen. This is going to happen." He's like, "No, it's not going to." You know, he more or less shut down, and the president's vice president became president. And I kind of modeled it after the Clintons. No. No jab on them, but it was just really easy, low-hanging fruit where the um, <laughs> she wound up dying about two, not even a week after she got into office by a dirty bomb after her um, security people told her, you know, she needs to be, you know, hunkered down somewhere safe, but she didn't want to. She wanted to be out with the people, and the people blew her up. Wow, wow. Yeah. So that was the end of that. So a Bill Clinton kind of guy wound up being president, and he overdosed on cocaine and Viagra. <laughs> he, had, he went out, he, he went out with a bang and, yeah, uh, literally. So, so the military took over. Okay. There was, they were already like staging this. They were going to stage a coup and the military took over the country. So this organ, this secret organization is kind of like James Bond meets Mad Max. Nice. Where, okay. I could, I could wrap my head around that. I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm not, yeah. a, I'm not a heavy reader. I, and I will admit that to people, but I love the story. I, you should try with your with your speaking ability and your, and your humor and everything. I think you should try turning it into an audio book. Oh, I have it in audio. I've got in paperback. Oh, you do? And I've oh, got well, then I might check it oh, out. Yeah. I'll get that link from you because yeah, it sounds it's, fun. Yeah, it's called Mad City, kind of you know, like after Madison. Okay, and, of nice. course, you know, he falls in love with a girl in Madison and – you know, and blah, blah, blah. He saves the day and finds his kid and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. But there's lots of fun adventures on the way and some James Bondy post-apocalyptic tech that goes along with it. I like it. I like it. So <laughs> James Bondy, so, yeah, Mad yeah. Max, it's perfect. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so that's what I did. And I started my own Facebook group called Cops and Writers. Like I said, I was halfway through this book. 
And I started a Facebook group because I was thinking to myself, I should really um, have a police procedural book to help out authors. There wasn't many out there. You know, it's like, okay, if you arrest somebody, this is what's going to happen. You know, if somebody does this, this is what's going to happen to them. This is what cops do. This is why cops do it. So I, I wrote the book, Cops and Writers, from the Academy to the Street, because people wanted it. And my Facebook group just started growing like crazy. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I dug the well before I was thirsty. I was still working while I was doing this. And I wanted to set up a business where I would consult with authors, you know, one-on-one. I would read their manuscript, go over it, and tell them what they have right, what they have wrong, and maybe some ways on how to fix it. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing that. And like I said, you know, I dig the well before you're thirsty. You know, I have an entrepreneur, you know, spirit. Type of spirit, I really, yeah, totally. Yeah, and I really, really, you know, dig small business owners and what they do. And that's that's huge. It really is. I, and that could just be, you know, like having a podcast like you have. You know, that, that takes a lot of balls. Well, you know, you put yourself that. out there and it's... You know, that's, that's not easy. It really isn't. All this stuff isn't easy. See, it's I'm, a lot of work. I'm used to, to making an idiot of myself. Um, I've got a YouTube <laughs> channel with my, with my friend Chris, and we have done stuff that most people go, what the fuck are you thinking? It's like, hey, but you know what? It's not for everybody, that, but that 5% that likes it, they like it, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> but, there you uh, go. Yeah, you know? Um and, and, and it's, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, and I've talked with another uh, person. I, I am, I, I'll be honest with you. I do want to try and monetize this cause I would love to do this for a living. You know, Hell yeah. I would you love know, to. Absolutely. Know. Yeah. It's, and it's great. And like you said, dig, I like that term, dig the well before you're thirsty because yeah, once you're thirsty, you're just, you're desperate and you're going to make more mistakes yeah. and you're, yeah. So yep. set, set the groundwork now yeah. when you still have another job, you know, like, there's plenty of authors out there. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to burn the ships. I'm going to quit my full-time job. I've got six months savings maybe set aside and I'm just going to do it. And most of them don't make it. Yeah. You know, they wind up going to another, you know, back to a job they hate or, you know, whatever the case may be. And that's really unfortunate. You know, whereas I never hated my job. I mean, there was parts of it that I disliked. And there were some nights where you're just kind of shaking your head going, what the hell is that shit? (laughs) <laughs> but the worst, and it's funny because most cops do not, it's not the danger aspect that would get to us. It's like, God, I hope I don't get shot today or anything. It's the bullshit politics that you have to deal with. I'm sure. And yeah. when you're a boss, you deal with it even more. When you do everything you're supposed to do and you do it right and you still get in trouble, you're still up at internal affairs, Ugh. staring at some guy who hasn't taken an assignment in the last 10 years who's hiding up there and is a complete pussy. And you're like, I just want to slap you. But you got to take so, orders from them. <laughs> yeah. For, well, they're investigating. They're Your investigating, job is yeah. on the line. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and the, the thing about that is, you know, it's like I got sucked into something right before I retired. I didn't know if I was going to get fired or not. Damn. And it's like really this close to the finish line mm-hmm. and you're pulling this shit. And, you know, so I went in there all pissed off. And, you know, the sergeant that from internal affairs, he looks at me and he says, dude, you did nothing wrong. I'm like, yeah, no shit. I didn't do anything wrong, <laughs> nor did my guys. But he said, yeah, the mayor's got it up his ass. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. Ugh. It was on the news, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, ah, what a bunch of shit. Yeah. So, but that's the stuff. That's, that's what causes the problems. That's what causes, oh, it's horrible. 
It yeah. is horrible. I can yeah, the, the the amount of politics and everything that you gotta deal with and that you gotta just pretty much grin and take it and you know, and and yep. then and you know, and then then with all the, the news and everything, I mean, yeah, there are there are bad cops, you know, but it's like not everybody's oh, that way. There are but, bad you know, they're bad social workers, they're bad foster parents, they're bad oh, everything, you know. Bad. There's bad doctors, there's bad, bad doctors. Yeah, I mean totally. any any profession, yeah. But you know what? I can honestly say like ninety nine percent of the guys I've worked with and by guys, you know, women and men. Yeah, totally. And, you know, that kind of thing. They were all my guys. Yeah. You know, and I can honestly, honestly say like ninety nine percent were they all wanted to do the right thing. They were straight as freaking arrows and I didn't have to worry about them. Yeah. You know, there is that one percent that you know, the media and everybody else is going to clamp onto because they're dumb shits. They do stupid shit. Well, you know, and it's like, all right. And and let's be honest, a cop doing a good job, unless it's, you know, unless it's something that can be spun for a feel-good piece of, you know, got a kitten out of the tree and then barbecued for the whole neighborhood, that kind of thing, you know. It's, unless it's that, they're not going to, the news isn't going to touch it. The news is going to clamp on, like you said, to the stuff that's that's, quote, newsworthy, you know. The person oh, who did something yeah. bad and atrocious, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's everybody. It's guilty by association, kind of thing. And and right, yeah, and that's it, an unfortunate. If, if it bleeds, it leads, and that's what I've totally. learned through you know all the years I've been doing this. And the two emotions that media will make money off of is fear and anger. Yeah, the more fear and anger they get out of people, the more money they make because they have more advertisers, more eyes are glued to that screen. And it's the end of the world, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, really? God, you people have no soul. You just <laughs> suck. You know, it's just <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that, that's probably the biggest stressor for a cop. I'm sure. Is the internal bullshit. Yeah. Or, you know, taking orders from somebody that hasn't been on the street for 20 years. And they have no clue what they're freaking talking about. You know, so that's, that kind of stuff is what will keep you up at night and just totally fuck with your head. That's and that's that's unnecessary. And that's, you know, yep. one of my big personal triggers and, you know, in a different aspect is the unnecessary shit. It's like this is just a time waster and it doesn't need to happen. And yeah, I, anyway, so but um, on a brighter note, uh, you mentioned that you have seen a lot of shit happen. I'm just kidding with the brighter note comment. Um, <laughs> what, what is the uh, um I mean, I can only imagine the number of bodies you come across and murders that are happening and all that kind of stuff. Have you seen anything? Um, have you seen anything that you can't explain? Have you seen anything that is, you know, leads you to think, okay, we go somewhere, we we do something? Like, I guess we'll get to the big question of of what happens. What do you think happens when we die? Coming from the experience of of what you've experienced or even just personal beliefs, you know, it doesn't have to be from the eyes of a cop, just personal, right. but, but you're going to have a, a, an interesting perspective having been, you know, a cop for 25 years. So I, I I'm, I'm curious to see well, what you think. Before I was a cop, I had a very serious brush with death. When I was a kid, I was in seventh or eighth grade. Our family got carbon monoxide poisoning Holy from shit. a crack in our furnace when we lived in Niles. And to make a very long story short, it felt like I had the flu. Our whole family felt like we all had the flu. And you're not thinking straight. You you feel like you're just drunk. You feel like you're highly intoxicated. And my brother tried to... I, we had a small little two-bedroom house. And my brother got out of bed and he fell flat on his face. He passes out. It's like 7 o'clock in the morning. My, my 
I got up, I fell flat on my face, but I was able to low crawl. I didn't have enough strength to walk. Yeah. So I crawled in my my parents' house. And back then there was one phone in the house. It was in the kitchen. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, dad, they, you know, Jim's passed out. Um, I'm getting close. We need to get the fire department here. And he's like, okay. So he gets up and he makes it to the kitchen. I'm low crawling behind him down the hall and he makes it to the kitchen close to the phone. He passes out. He said he hits the stove and sends the stove flying. He almost cracked his collarbone oh, like, shit. really bad. And he was out cold. So I'm like, mom, mom, <laughs> you need to call 911. And she's like, what do the neighbors think? And I'm like, mom, she's like, oh, I'm in my nightgown. I'm like, mom, I don't give a shit. Call the fire department. Walk around with a beer and go, what are you pussies talking yeah, about? <laughs> so she's just like, what do the neighbors, the first thing is, what do the neighbors think? And I'm oh, like, that's awesome. Care. That is awesome. So, so she did call the, but here's the thing. I'm laying on my stomach, and one of the, we had two dogs. The family dog, Daisy, she's a little beagle Springer Spaniel mix, is laying down in front of me. We're like nose to nose. I'm <laughs> under the record player. Yes, I'm old. We had a record player. Hey, we had him. And, <laughs> yep. And we're looking at each other, and I just had this feeling of euphoria. And maybe it was the carbon monoxide, but I felt like I'm going to die right now. Damn. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. It was just a feeling of release. It felt so good. It felt, it, it was one of the best feelings I've ever had in my life. There was no angels floating around. I didn't see dead relatives. I didn't, none of that business. It was just a really, really just release. Then the next thing I remember, I'm in a snowbank. You know, it's December in Chicago. <laughs> I'm in a snowbank, and I've got an oxygen thing on my face, and I'm freezing my ass off because oh, I'm yeah. still in my pajamas. You know, and I'm just like, she, Mom was able to call 911, and she passed out right after. Damn. So, you know, typical Irish fashion, you know, the paramedics are there, and they're like, we're going to take you to the hospital. My dad's like, no, you're not. You just <laughs> broke down my door. I'm not going to have a house to go back to. And they're like, well, let's take the kids. He said, no, they can wait. I'm like, we can? Okay. <laughs> so so he repairs the door, and then um, we go to the hospital. They do the blood test, and we find out a couple of weeks later from our family physician, he said, you guys had more than a lethal dose of carbon monoxide in your bloodstream. He said, you should not be alive right now. Holy None shit. Wow. So, you know, we went to the emergency room, and they more or less just pumped oxygen into us. You yeah. know, that's all it was. And you just feel like shit. So we, that was my first brush, real brush with death. And like I said, it was no, you know, like I said, no harps, no angels, no floating, no, <laughs> none of that business. And all it was was calm and very, very peaceful. And, you know, going back to the Irish thing, our neighbors come over because they were very nice. And they're like, you don't have a furnace. It's December. Stay in our house. You know, it was like Saturday. You're not going to get anybody out till Monday. Yeah. And my dad's like, no, we'll be fine. I'm looking like we will. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, so, and the neighbor is like, well, at least your kids, you know, how about your kids? And he's like, oh, no, they'll be fine. Don't worry about it. I'm like, hey, stop making all these decisions for us. We're yeah. going to freeze our asses off. So we froze our asses off. But, <laughs> oh, well, that's life. That's like not accepting yeah, charity. No coddling going on. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no coddling, no coddling. It was a no coddle zone. Yeah. But um, 
so that was my first brush with death. And then, of course, getting on the job, you know, I was around it all the time. Wow. I remember I was a newer rookie, and I had, like, maybe a year on. And where I worked, it was nothing unusual to be around live gunfire. It was constant all night. God. If you work in a major metropolitan city, in the inner city especially, like in the quote-unquote bad areas, people are firing guns off all the time. You know, from about 11 o'clock at night to about 2 or 3 in the morning, it's fireworks time. There's lots and lots of shooting. Actually, I I lived in a city, um, my wife and I, the city I moved to was uh, Saginaw, Michigan. And and it was another one of those ones that you had Detroit, you had Flint, you had Saginaw. They were all in the top 10 kind of thing as well for, you know, different statistics or whatever. But it was always, we moved to a neighborhood where it would be the middle of February. And when we first moved there, I'm like, why aren't people launching fireworks? And all of a sudden I was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, those are not fireworks. Those are not fireworks. <laughs> so, nope. yeah, it was a pretty so, pretty shitty, uh, the, the city has gone to hell kind of thing. It's one of those GM towns that everybody, you know, left when the get was good. And, yeah, one of those yeah. kind of stories. But, but, yeah, I mean, but you're, the difference is, is I was in my home. I'm not on the street running around yeah. at night having <laughs> yeah. this You didn't have a bullseye on your back. Right? Yeah. <laughs> although, although in these neighborhoods, you know, people have to watch TV on the floor because they're afraid of a bullet whizzing through their window. I, so, you know, it's oh, like, all sad. right, well, whatever. Yeah, but that's, is. that is it's sad, horrible. you know. That's, ugh. But, yeah, that's the one segment of the of society that nobody gives two shits about. Not and at all. No politician is ever going to talk about it, and it just keeps going. In 25 years the like most horrible parts of the city 25 years when i started it was horrible 25 years later it's still horrible it sucks yeah so yeah. whatever you know everybody's trying to reinvent the wheel and blah 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 and guess what it ain't working well and and so, i, I watched a, a video on that just recently where it's like it's not a it's not a gerrymandering but it's a similar kind of thing where it's like boundaries are drawn where it's based off a of house value so you've got you know more tax going here and less tax going here and you can have a you know, people living across the street practically from each other where it's like this kid has better schooling because he's got more tax money from the, you know, and it's just, it's, it, yeah, it's a perpetual cycle. It's, it's something that, and yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't make news when, when you try and, you know, no. we could talk about this for hours, but yeah, it is sad that it just. Right. And, and, and the thing is most of the victims of these crimes are criminals themselves. Yes, innocent people do get killed, and that is wrong. Yeah. But a lot of times, people are in the middle of some type of illegal activity, i.e. drug dealing or whatever. Absolutely. And they get shot, and they get killed, or whatever. You know, know, this is is total cop humor. I'm I'm gone one day, just on my regular days off, and when I was gone, there was a bunch. There's certain areas of the city where there's a lot of homeless people, and they call them bum fights, where, you know, like, two homeless people will start fighting. And one guy had a a stoma, you know, he had a tracheotomy, okay. so he breathed out of his throat. Yeah, and this, the other uh, homeless guy ripped his trach out and he suffocated. Holy shit! So, of course, all my cops are roadhouse, 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 and I'm like, oh my god, oh that's guys, awful, really? Yeah, <laughs> wow. But that's cop humor, you know. Yeah, yeah. The darker, the better. Well, I mean, and, that's and how shit. they deal with it, exactly. Because that's one, I mean, hell, I've got a podcast called Let's Laugh About Death. And it's like part of the reason is laughing at such a morbid topic, not laughing. I shouldn't say laughing at it, but laughing about, you know, 
to be able to come to grips with it. Humor is a self-defense mechanism, you know, an emotional defense Absolutely. mechanism. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, yes, and of course a story like that gets out and people are like, oh, they're insensitive. No, they're coping. You guys have seen the yep, shittiest exactly. and most horrific things. I can only imagine what you've seen, you know, so. Well, but, you know, I'll circle, I'll circle back to the story. I'm this rookie cop. I hear this live gunfire. I'm with a cop that has about six or seven years on. It's about two, yeah, two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. And it's like a block away. We go, there's a guy laying in the street. It's October. It's raining. And the steam is coming out of the holes in his chest. Wow. And it's like something out of a movie. Yeah. And another squad responded. And it was one of my classmates from the Academy. And, you know, the paramedics are working on dude. And I look at the paramedic and I'm like, is he going to make it? <laughs> no, he's out of sight of, you know, this victim. Mm-hmm. And he puts his hand, his finger across his neck, like, <laughs> he, starts, he just shakes his head and one starts laughing. And I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. I mean, he's got more holes in him than a piece of Swiss cheese. Yeah. So he's looking at, you know, this uh, officer that I went through the academy is like, am I going to make it? And she's like, yeah, you'll make it. Hang in there. You'll, you'll, you'll make it. And I look at him and said, no, you're not. You're going to die. And he says, what? He says, yeah, you're going to die. Tell me who killed you. Because he knew who shot him. Damn. And so I you're said, talking tell to me who killed you. Yeah. Holy yep. shit. I said, tell me who killed you, dude. And he looked at me and says, fuck you. And I said, ah, fuck me. Fuck you. I said, that's not the answer I'm looking for. I said, you're about to go to the great beyond. I don't know which direction, but you're going. And he's just like, he rolls, his, he looks at me and he said, Scooby-Doo. And he rolls his eyes back and he died. Wow. I mean, that's, so, a, that's a kind of a funny last word. I'll give him that. But, uh, well, Scooby-Doo was one of the local drug dealers. Oh, <laughs> I thought he was fucking around. <laughs> nope. Wow. No, so that's so okay. We, we worked all day trying to find Scooby with the homicide unit. And, uh, you know, of course, all the bad jokes. Are we going to drive the mystery machine? No. Of course. Are we going to tear the face off the guy at the end? You know, it's like, yeah. oh, boy. Here we go. Mayor Daly? But <laughs> oh, yeah. How many Roro Shaggies did I hear in one evening? You know, it's yeah. like, Roro Shaggy? Yeah, totally, totally. That's so, a, Yeah, it's, 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 and again, I, that's, you know, that's kind of. It's how you cope. You you almost have to because you, I'm sure you get desensitized to it after a while. You know your first body versus you, your last body. Oh yeah, and you know, you know you do, but you know obviously like old people or you know like crib deaths that kind of thing that hits you hard. That sucks. Yes, nobody's yes, laughing of at those. Course, of you course, you know th- that or sucks. kids getting in crossfire and and uh, oh god, yeah, yeah, or, or you just have a real victim of a crime. And you see their faces and Uh, it's just, Oh my God. And you know, going back to like what you asked before, yeah, I often wondered because you know, I'm a good Irish Catholic boy, Mm -hmm. you know, is there a heaven? Is there a hell? I said, what direction is this person going? Yeah, exactly. When you said that, I was like, okay. You know, and then, you know, as a Sergeant, I had to respond to every dead body. So that could be, you know, a grandma at home that had a stroke and died, you know, that's 80 years old or, or it could be the shooting or the homeless guy that had his, you know, tracheotomy thing pulled out or, you know, the, the other homeless guy that he had his head, you know, caved in with a rock from another Jeez. homeless guy li- living under a bridge. And then he set him on fire. Wow. So the smell of, you know, burnt flesh Ugh. and the whole thing is underneath this bridge. 
and it was right by a hospital across the street from the police department, from the building, the police building, wow. the district station. And a nurse was going out for a smoke break and she's smoking her cigarette and she sees some blood like streaming down and oh, what's that? So she crawls under and is like, whoa, look at that. <laughs> but it's funny because this is day shift. You know, these are a bunch of very seasoned, you know, I've seen it all kind of cops. And then the homicide detectives came, they've seen everything. Everybody that saw that body when kind of like shrugged their shoulders, like, holy shit, look at that. Wow. You don't see that every day. Because, you know, head caved in, I've seen that a zillion times. But a burnt body, ugh. Uh, you know, just the smell itself. And what happens is the uh, skin shrivels up. So the hands kind of like look like claws almost. Oh, wow. And, yeah, it's it's not pretty at all. That's, so, I've, yeah. I've never <laughs> seen a dead body other than a funeral. You know, that's that's yeah. Uh, and I and and having seen as many as you've talked about, uh, well, and and that was honestly going to be out of my own morbid curiosity. What was going to be one of the you know the most fucked up thing you've seen? It sounds like that could be in the top ten. That, that's close. And then we had another one where there was, they call them bump camps. You know, it's like homeless people in tents mm-hmm. and it's January in Wisconsin. So, you know, it's freaking cold, man. Yeah, totally. And this guy was in a sleeping bag. He's very intoxicated and he spilled kerosene. He had a small kerosene heater. It's, he spills kerosene on the sleeping bag and on his clothes. Uh-huh. And he decides to light up a cigarette and, you know, he goes up like a Roman candle and the fire department was there before we were, and they douse them in water. Well, now it's starting to freeze. Oh, geez. You know, it, it was one of the coldest nights of the year. You know, it was like way below zero without the wind, and the wind was howling. Ugh. And so, of course, you know, we're giving the firefighters shit. Hey, way to go. Now we have a bumsicle. That was nice of you guys. <laughs> way to make the bumsicle, guys. I, I, I hate to even laugh, but you got to. You know, it's it's oh, it's so yep. bad though. But uh, you know, but and, everyone looks like holy shit, really. And it's like, yep, it's a bumsicle. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. god. Okay, guys. <laughs> That's uh, you know, and and I don't mean to laugh about the situation. I don't mean to laugh about the you know about the 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 unfortunate circumstances of the person, but. You know, it's I laugh at it the way you laugh at South Park. South Park has some raunchy humor, and it's like if it's if it's in such a right. way, I mean, shit, you can't not laugh at Bumsicle in this regard, you know. But uh, it's <laughs> yeah, I got but, a six you know, humor too. So. <laughs> cops have to do that because, like I said, you know, every now and then you do come across, you know, the heartbreaking victim. You know, some oh, little kid that was just go being a little kid yeah. in the wrong place at the wrong time and some shithead had to be a shithead yep. and do shithead things and be stupid. Yeah. Or, you know, a parent being really fucked up and drunk or high and rolling over on the kid. I you know, or, you I know, yes, knew of somebody who did that actually. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Not I mean they weren't like yeah. close friends, but I know I know them. I don't associate with them, but yeah, yeah. it was just, they were high and the, and it was an infant. So Yeah, that yeah. it just sucks. Yeah. Yeah, that that kind of stuff really gets to you, you know. And then suicides, I've been to a ton of suicides. Uh. Both completed and attempts and like one of the saddest ones, like more than one that's been sad, but yeah. there was an old guy, he's probably in his 80s, close to 90. And he lived in a nice home by the lake. 
and he blew his brains out with a revolver and he would live by himself. You know, we talked to the neighbors and we're trying to find Mexican and his, his kids didn't give two shits about him, never visited, you know, or talked to him. All of his friends were dead. Damn. You, he outlived all of his friends and his wife passed away like 10 years before him. So he was by himself yeah. and he's in his recliner and he set out pictures of all of his friends and his wife, his wedding and everything else. And he was looking at all those before he blew his brains out. Wow. And you're just like, wow, I need a drink. This sucks. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, fuck me. This is not the way I, and the, the really sad part was we broke open the cylinder and the hammer hit a bullet and put a divot in it, but it didn't go off. So he had to pull the trigger twice. Twice. Damn. Yep. And we're like, man, that took some freaking nerve. Yeah. You know, it doesn't happen the first time. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that, that was really sad. And then I had another one where he was a school teacher in his thirties. He was young and his wife had uh, two heart transplants and they just didn't work. Damn. And she passed away and he wound up hanging himself. And there was pictures of him and his wife literally all over the house. You, know, you could tell the guy was in some serious freaking pain. Yeah. And you know, I felt so bad for him. You know, I'm just like, man, what do you do? He still had all of his wife's stuff. All of her clothes were in her closet. And she had been dead for a year. Wow. And he even had her cell phone on the charger on her bedstand. Wow. On the nightstand. Probably to give himself that feeling that, oh, she's just... Oh, we yep. have the weekend. Yeah. Correct. And I was just like, holy shit, this sucks. Then, you know, I, I was at another one where husband and wife, they have an argument. She gets up to make breakfast in the morning. She doesn't know where the husband is. And she hears a loud bang. Well, he blows his brains out literally with a shotgun in the garage. Mm. And, you know, the, the medical examiner winds up coming and <laughs> just, the med it's not the medical examiner, they have investigators that come up to mm -hmm. these scenes. Very rarely will a coroner or a medical examiner respond to a scene. They unless it's like super high profile, something like that, just a run of the mill suicide or a homicide, very rarely. Especially in a large agency. They yeah. have investigators for that. And <laughs> I love this lady. You know, she'd always have a cigarette hanging out of her mouth. <laughs> and she she was so matter of fact, she was so blunt. But she was really good with the families, and she was just she she rocked. She was really really good at what she did. But you know, we have this body in this garage, and the garage was spotless except for this. You have the shotgun, the guy laying on his back, part of his face and his head is like literally gone. Yeah, and a big chunk of his brain is next to his head, and Jeez. we're all looking. It's just like ugh. And we've all seen a lot because we're all day shifters and we've all worked in shitty parts of town. You know, we, this is nothing new. Yeah. And <laughs> she puts on the gloves and she said, I don't expect you guys to like scoop anything up, but if you could look in the back of those bicycle, um, there's a couple of bicycles hanging up. She said, I'm sure there's some skull and some oh. skin up there. I have to retrieve that. And I'm just like, yay. That sounds <laughs> awesome. So <laughs> and she's, she's got gloves on and she's literally scooping this guy's brain into a bag Ugh. and that's going to go in the body bag with him with him. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, Holy shit. Wow. You've got some big balls lady. Oh my God. Wow. That's, you, uh, just thinking about 
but and, you know, I mean, I guess in her regard, what she she gets would get desensitized to it. It's it's it's. Oh my god, yes. You know, it's, but she, like I said, she was really really good with the family, like you know, talking to talking the to, wife. Yeah, I, I, how do you, yeah. Uh, I don't because they do their kind of... own investigation. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they want to know, like, any kind of medical issues. Was he an alcoholic, a drug addict? And then, you know, you go to people who drink themselves to death. Yeah. I, I've been to overdoses, people drinking themselves to death. And a lot of times, you know, it's like, it's no big mystery what happened. You got the 56, 57-year-old guy who his wife left him a while ago. His kids don't give two shits about him. He's living in a shithole little apartment. You know, the ashtrays are brimming over. Oh, yeah. There's plastic bottle, empty plastic bottles of vodka everywhere. He literally just killed himself doing that. Doing that, yeah. It, it, Slow yeah, suicide. So. <laughs> yeah. Yep, Pla- absolutely. Plastic bottles is the cheap vodka, too. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Nothing nothing top shelf in those worlds. No, nothing. get the job done kind of stuff, yeah. Oh, yep. man. That's uh, so. I, I, I'm assuming you you do believe in like a heaven and hell type of thing, or do you believe in? Well, you know, I'm kind of more of a fallen Catholic. Like most I, I am too. To be honest, I haven't been. You know, it, it, most of us are. You know, we're forced into it, yeah. and it's kind of like once we hit, you know, the age of reason or whatever kind of thing. It's like, well, you know, yeah. I, I literally finished high school, got confirmed, and like the next week damn near i kind of stopped going to church you know yeah you know i don't want to say there isn't a higher power and there's so many different religions out there that i mean who's to say which one is correct and which one isn't and and i I have a theory for that see i i personally believe in a higher power i don't know if it's as Mm -hmm. as as involved in our day-to-day lives as some people think you know um but i the theory of the different religions is being able to explain almost in that language, you know, just like, just like, you know, TV shows and movies and everything are translated um, for different languages, you know, Spanish, English, German, et cetera, et cetera. That right. is, it's a cultural interpretation of what happens, you know? Um, when, and that, that's, that's when there was a, right. When there was a scene where it was just heartbreaking, you know, I would just be standing over this dead body and I'd be thinking, are they looking at me like from some other angle right now? You know, and I don't know if it was my imagination or what. And a lot of times I would, you know, reverting back to my roots, I'd say in our father or a hail Mary under mm-hmm. my breath. Yeah. And, you know, and, and sometimes I don't even know why I did it, but I just would do it, you know, and I, I'd feel genuinely sorry for him, obviously, if it was like really bad circumstances. Yeah. You know, and you're just like, damn. But I grew up, you know, being a good Irish Catholic boy, it was a very punitive God where, you know, if you didn't go to church every Sunday, you were going to hell. If you did X, Y, or Z, you were going to hell. And it's like, did you not even look at the New Testament? You know, (laughs) you're pretty pretty stuck in the Old Testament, the uh, the fire and brimstone stuff. You know, you know I'm like, gee, mom. Um, we got a guy up on the is, wall who basically wrote, "You can miss church once in a while." <laughs> That's who we're, you know, uh, guy. In and, other words, Jesus on the cross there, hanging up on the wall there. But yet, it's like if you if you eat meat on Friday, you're going to hell. You know that kind of thing. Right. It's like, oh, come yeah. on. Yeah. So some of it, you know, just you know, 
when I was in college, I took a lot of theology classes uh-huh. just because I liked them, and I always I liked asking questions. And you know, I almost became Buddhist. I'm like, hey, this is kind of cool. I like this whole Buddhist thing. Nice. But I and I admire anybody who has a great deal of faith in any religion. I do too. And doesn't try to force it and doesn't force it down my throat. Bing. You know, that's the key thing. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I've I said mean, for there, a while now. There's a lot of good people that are Catholic. There's a lot of good people that are Lutheran. You know, and they're very, very devout and they believe. Yes. And that's great. And that's great. And as long as they're not pushing it down anybody else's throat. But but the thing is, is it's right. like, and I've said this for a while, is the worst Christians are Christians. You know, in other words, the ones that are, oh, well, you're going to hell if you don't do blah, 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 blah. And they make sure that they know that, you know, they that they are Christian and they are, you know, it's like. The people who are who believe in a faith and they don't rub it in your face and they're very understanding if you don't believe into it and it doesn't sever your friendship and it doesn't mean you're going to hell because right. you believe something different. Those are the people that I admire. Yes, when it comes to organized religion, organized religion is not for me. Yeah. But and I think a lot yeah. of it is because you know it, it, that those kind of, of of things where people will you know they'll use it's almost like they use whatever form of Christianity as their their like escape mechanism where it's like i can do something shitty but i know i'm forgiven because i believe in christ and it's like right okay there's some people that actually walk the walk and there's some people that don't and there's there's some people that don't just like we were talking about earlier there's bad examples there's good examples of everything you know so and i'm not trying to downplay any of that nothing you know because again yep i'm the, the big the big thing about this podcast is no one really knows what happens when we die you know i'm not pretending that right. i know what happens and those who have it figured out in their mind at least they think they know exactly what happens i'm envious when you can have that kind of well, faith could you, you know could you imagine could you think about this for one second could you imagine if you had a society where there was no right and wrong and there wasn't the thought hanging over your head of man if i go out and rape and pillage i'm a bad person i'm doing this and that if there was no concept of hell you just die so you might as well have a good time while you're here. Yeah. Could you imagine the mayhem that would ensue from that? If yeah, I, I mean, I mean, there there is an in, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, um, ingrained morality with most people. But I do have I do have a theory, and I've I've or not a theory, but I have a a, a belief that one in five people, if there was true lawlessness, in other words, if there was no law or no you know no. Uh, uh, written down, consequential, you do this and you're going to prison kind of thing, that one in five people right. would just be monsters. Well, you know? our American justice system was founded on the Ten Commandments. Yeah. If you look at its most basic level, and even in um, in Congress, there is like the tablets of the Ten Commandments up on the wall. Yeah. And that's the basis of our society. That's the basis of our of our laws. There's no getting around that. You know, killing is bad. Killing you know, is bad. You will absolutely. go to jail for that. You know, stealing is bad. Yes. You know, all that kind of jazz. So, yeah, that's... But as far as... The only other thing that I can think of was my cousin. He's about five years older than me. He got some crazy virus years ago that was attacking his heart. Mm-hmm. And he clinically was dead. He was in the hospital. He died. He was dead for like two minutes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're bringing, trying to bring him back. And I said, yeah. well, what was it like? And he said, well, he said, I was telling my mom and grandpa to get out because there was too many people in the room. Well, his mom and his grandpa and our grandpa were both dead. 
So <laughs> he was talking to them and he said that, you know, his mom told him it's not your time to go back. Wow. So cool. I don't know if that's the effect of being deprived of oxygen, exactly. of the drugs that he was on, or maybe it happened. I don't know. And, you know, it's like, and who's to say, you know, cause you've right. got, you've got people on one side saying, well, absolutely. He was, go- he was crossing towards the light. And then you got other people going, yeah, he was, his brain was shutting down and he was just basically having this whole delusional effect from Western civilization, movies, all kinds of stuff that basically right. tell us that you see a pearly gates when you go to, you know, when you die. And so, correct, yeah, you know, but, and that's, that's the big, that's the big joke of life is the punchline you don't get until you're dead. You know, it's like, it's, yep. it happens to everyone. And, you know, and, and, and I've, I've, you know, when I was at my mother-in-law's deathbed, I watched her take her last breath. That's the only person I've ever actually physically seen die. And, you know, it was mm-hmm. my, uh, uh, my wife and her sisters and, you know, uh, other people, my nephew was there, her, my wife's technically my wife's nephew. And, uh, and one thing that I said, this was, this was before I was even considering doing the podcast, but one thing I said was as soon as we saw her take the last breath, I was like, now she's got all the answers. Yeah. You know, because then that's when you find out everything you're going to get. There's, you know, there's, yep. there's that whole, at least that's what I believe is you're going to get the answers yep. to all questions because you're going to become, yep. you know, one with everything, so to speak. Yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, there's a big part of me that thinks you die and that is it. And there's another part of me that's like, oh man, it can't be just that. Yeah. There's gotta be more to it. There's too much but, going on for it to just be that. But you know, for those of you who listening that, that think that you die and that's it, a friend of mine who actually, you know, I, I had three close people die within a short amount of time. That's what me, what got me, uh, uh, considering doing this podcast, uh, I had two close friends and a brother all die within four months. And, uh, the one friend was, he wasn't atheist. He was more agnostic. And he was like, I, it's not that I don't believe in God or anything like that. I just don't have any proof. But he brought he brought up something to me years ago because I was all like, you know, this was, God, this was like 2011, 2012. He's like, you know what? If we were to die and there was nothing, we wouldn't know. And that actually gave me a little bit of no. comfort, you know? So it's like, yep. it's, it's, it's like, okay, I can see that. You know, I still believe that there's something more because there's too much. There's too much specificity to our existence in general. You know, there's there's trillions of planets out there, and yet we've got this little blue right. marble floating around with seven billion people on there. And people are like, well, where are all those spirits going to go when they die? It's like there's seven billion people in a gigantic universe. You know, and I and I, I a I don't right. think we're alone. You know, I I think that's almost no. I don't think I don't think so either. That's yeah. pretty egotistical if you really think about it. Totally, and statistically, I don't think it's possible because you could sit there. You know, there's a whole rare right. rare Earth uh, 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 theory of well, you know, we're just an anomaly. It's like nah, that's a pretty you know minute impossibility or you know or possibility in my opinion because you know if they're if we're made of the same atoms that the rest of the universe is made of on a long enough timeline, you're going to have other species they may not develop the same way we do but they're going to have some of those you know carbon based right. whatever shit that we're all made out of you know so but uh yep yeah so it's uh i agree i um i definitely uh i enjoyed i enjoyed the talk i uh some of the shit you were talking about though it's 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 really gives me even more of an appreciation of the stuff that you know the general population probably doesn't think about the, the horrors that you guys witness the uh 
um, just the the injustices that I'm sure that you guys witnessed. You know, people who are just living about their lives who become a victim of a crime for no reason. Yeah, because, it, yeah. it it doesn't have to be a homicide. It it could be as, as low of a crime as like say a burglary. Somebody's broken into your house while you're at work. You know what? You're never going to feel safe in your house again. That was a complete asshole. Yeah. That broke into your house and took your shit. Oh, thieves. You know, that now your wife is not going to want to be at home by herself Bingo. at night. You're not going to want to be at home by yourself at night. It sucks. Yeah, it's really fucked. And honestly, I think thieves, personally, yep. I think thieves are fucking pieces of shit. It's like, what gives one person the right to take something from somebody else? Oh, you can't afford it? Okay, well, you know what? There's solutions to that. You, you're yep, you're desperate, absolutely. you know, and it's like it's you know, and I'm not going to do the whole go get a job kind of thing because yeah, I know there's circumstantial things, but there are other ways to do things, you know, rather than just taking something. I mean, shit, I've had I've had simple little things taken from me, and it's like, and that pisses me off, you know. I had a a, a, a magnet on the back of my car that one day all of a sudden it was just missing, and I'm like, what the fuck, you know? Why would you do that? Someone stole right. a charger out of my car. Little things, but. I, I, yep. I, you know, somebody who comes home and all of a sudden their whole living room is just empty. And, yep. and, and like you said, you stole the sense of security and how many people suffer from PTSD right. after that and feel never. Feel right. it's, it's, it's not just the stuff. No, it's you not. Know, it's like you said, it's the sense of security. You should feel safe in your house. Bingo. This is the one place in the world that it's like, okay, I feel good here. I'm relatively safe. You know, I'm in my little happy place. Yeah. You know, can I please have my happy place? You know, it's just that's what it should be. Yeah. And it's you know, or you know, the the, the victims of rape or the victims of 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 being. Oh, it's horrible. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's yeah, it's very. I'm I'm impressed by you know, and and predominantly I'm I I know it's women, you know, but I'm sure it happens occasionally with guys and that too. But it's I, oh, I yeah. I'm very impressed and and and. I guess impressed is the only way I can I can uh, describe it is people who were able to pick up and carry on after going through something like that. You know, being able to, well, you know. But the part about being a, like a big city cop working in a shitty area is you get so many false alarms that uh, you get so jaded. You know, it's like I would say 80 to 90% of the sexual assaults that we get sent to weren't really sexual assaults. Gotcha. Like the last one that I had, this girl said she was kidnapped and raped and dumped by a cemetery. That's where we found her. Well, turns out she was a prostitute from Las Vegas that recently moved. Her kid was like four or five years old. Some guy like befriended her. They became boyfriend, girlfriend. He's watching the kid while she's out making money hooking. Wow. And it was way too late. So she had to come up with this big story to save face with the boyfriend. Gotcha. Okay. And you're like, and really? So you're tangled oh, up man. in that. Yeah. Having to file bullshit yep. reports and, oh yeah. That, oh that. my God. I mean, it's hours and hours and <sighs> hours of work. I can only imagine. And we knew she was, and it took me all of half an hour to get the truth out of her. Yeah. And boss, she was sticking to the story that she was still kidnapped. Yeah. I got paid for sex. Yeah. I did this. I did that. You know, I got kidnapped and I was raped. Okay, you got paid for sex. Yes. Did you have sex after that? No. Well, but that's a business transaction. That's a business unfortunately. You know, that's, and, and that's illegal, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and what you're doing is illegal. Yeah, sorry, honey. You know, so, and that just takes away all credibility from a real victim of a crime like that. Yes. Because the next yes. one that comes along, the cop is like, 
all right, hey, Sarge, she's got a history of prostitution. All right, well, that doesn't mean that this can't be a real sexual assault. Bingo, yeah. You know, she, you know, she could be turning her life around. It doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. And, you know, just because you le- you led a certain lifestyle doesn't mean you're going to do that forever. But, you know, that's you get so freaking jaded. And again, it's like being the car salesman. Everybody lies to you. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. So that gets old. I, well, but I, I did. Boo-hoo me. Nothing like that. <laughs> I did phone support, just tech support on the phone. And, and you would ask a simple question of, okay, did you reboot your computer? Yep, yep. I did all that. Yep, yep. And it's like, okay. No, you didn't. You know, <laughs> no, so you I didn't. can only imagine. No, you didn't. You're multiplying that by a thousand. And you, when you get it every day, yep. when we would have people like that, and it was just like, fuck, just just be honest with me. You realize it's going to be a lot quicker and a lot easier if you're just honest with me and tell me or do the thing that I ask you to do. And you're talking yep. with with the process and the court system and all that kind of shit. It's like, ugh. See, that right yeah, there, it, that would be what pisses me off daily as, as being a cop would be something like that. That's unnecessary. That's, you know, that's the whole just – you're you're making more problems for yourselves and uh, damn hats off to you man for doing it for 25 years i mean fucking a you know it's it's all the way i look at it that was my job that's what i signed up for you know it's like i i can't boo-hoo about being in shitty situations because i signed up for it yeah well there are people that you know but there's also you know times where I didn't sign up for this shit. You know, you're just like, you know, you're running into a burning building. You're hanging yeah. out to a guy who's trying to jump off a bridge. You know, that's real heroic shit. Yeah. Where, yeah. you know, now everybody's a hero for doing X, Y, or Z. No, you're not. If you throw yourself on a hand grenade to save your the rest of your guys, you know, in your unit, that's a fucking hero. Yeah. You know, that's that, that word has been watered down way too much lately. It's that everybody gets a trophy. Everybody's a winner. No, fuck that. Yeah, you know, it's like now you're taken away from the real heroes, and I, I gotta agree with that. Yeah, because and and you're right, you did sign up for that. People who are in the military, they knew what they were getting into. I still have respect for them. I still have respect for cops. Oh, because, absolutely, you know, absolutely. But there is that whole thing where it's like, but you did, you did know what you were signing up for. The the, the you know the the uh, the surgeon who you know is 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 a heavy drinker because he's losing patience because of something or whatever. It's like, well. You did know that this was something to expect, you know, and it's like, and me working in, working in, you know, high T, I should know better. I, I hate it. I'm an art major. You know, you being a music major at one time, I, I was, a, I was an art major and it's like, I've been stuck in the IT world right. forever, but I still know what I'm, what to expect when I get another IT job, even though I can't seem to get the fuck away from it. It's like, I can't really explain, <laughs> you know, or complain rather. So, but, uh, Yeah. You know, it's I, I, that's that's a I like that attitude though. I like the fact that you say that. Even having seen things that would be nightmare fuel for the average person on a daily basis, you have that attitude, and that's that's refreshing, to be honest. You know, it's just like you know, it's like okay, you know, look at those doctors and nurses; they're around sick people uh, all day. Uh, yeah, that's what they signed up for. Yeah, but I remember one time I had a guy stabbed in the armpit. Oh, and that's shit. a horrible place to get oh shot or stabbed because yeah. there's a pulm there's pulmonary arteries there. Ugh. So this guy crashed three times. They this doctor and those nurses worked their asses off trying to save this guy, Ugh. and he died after like an hour. That's one more thing that TV really gets wrong in movies. It's like they do CPR on some guy for like 
a minute and it's like, call it, what's the time? Yeah. Um, I hope you're not my doctor because these doctors and nurses try their ass. I mean, they're drenched in sweat. Oh, I'm sure. You know, yeah. doing CPR. They put everything into it. And that's some real cool shit there that, you, you know, being able to watch all that. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's some heroic, you know. I'm on hour 16 of this shift and I'm, you know, trying to save this dude that I don't know. You know, that's, that's the totally cool heroic shit that, you know, people don't see. It's, it's not just being there. No, that's that. That doesn't make you a fucking hero. Sorry. That makes you a doctor. That makes you a nurse. That makes, and that makes you what you signed up for. But yeah, when you, right, exactly. You know, when I signed up, when I signed up as a cop, you know, it's like, okay, AIDS was kind of, prevalent mm-hmm. you know so you have to worry about that hepatitis wasn't as big as it was as it is right now i had a significant exposure to hepatitis i'm fighting with a guy who has active hepatitis Damn. i'm like okay this sucks so now i gotta wonder for six months if i'm gonna get if you got it yeah and yeah because we swap blood you know so oh, that, that's you know that's the shit that'll keep you up and i didn't sign up for that no, they, no, yeah, that's something you don't that, think about. That's the stuff no one ever tells you about. Is is yeah, that or 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 uh, 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 yeah, a, a junkie who's who's got um, needles on him or something like that. And you poked in the oh, leg. Like, absolutely. Know? Yeah, I don't want to get poked by one of these one of these fucking needles. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Fentanyl wasn't a thing when I was a cop. I got cops that were passing out left and right from getting exposed to fentanyl at a fucking traffic gun stop. Or whatever oh, they 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 catch a whiff of that they're on the ground. They're on the We're ground. giving them Narcan. They're overdosing. Yeah, yeah. you know when they test drugs, they they dress up like a freaking in a spacesuit, like they're a goddamn astronaut because yeah. they're so we're so afraid of them getting gassed by this shit. You know, yes. but you know what? We signed up for you it. Signed you know, up for it. Yeah, and things always change, and things will change yeah. as time goes on. Well, and, and, and you know, there's always going to be a new threat of X, Y, or Z, and we'll adapt to it, and we will keep doing our jobs. Yeah. Well, and and right now it's COVID. You know. Right. It's you it's know, that's then, the front line. People are facing that now on an everyday basis. Right. The COVID thing. You know, there's different opinions on it, and I, I have totally, my opinion. Yeah. And and you know, oh, there's such heroes for being out there when there's COVID, and it's like, okay, most of these cops are young, healthy guys. They have less than one percent chance of dying from it if they contract it. I have cop friends of mine that have gotten it, and they said this is a really shitty flu with a cough. And I'm like, okay, that sucks. Yeah. And you know, nobody wants to get it. Nobody wants any kind of new disease or virus that it was unknown. You know, nobody likes the unknown. That, that's exactly you it. Know, that's. It, I I'm you know I I do I I'll be honest with you I wear the mask out of precaution because we don't. We don't Mm -hmm. really know what the fuck's going on with this thing yet. Every day the news changes and it's a different disease every or a different virus every day, damn near, you know? And it's like, until here's the thing. And here's the thing when it comes to that. I mean, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds with it, but yeah, yeah. It ain't going away. No. And we're not going to have a vaccine tomorrow, Uh you know? And do you want to be the test dummy for the new vaccine that they're rushing to put out? I don't want my kid. I don't want that needle in my kid's arm. Fuck that. You know, like, no, but that's one more thing for cops and doctors and nurses to worry about. They have to worry about, but, yeah. you know, everybody could, but everybody's catastrophizing about it so much. You know, our state spent $37 million on a field hospital that never saw a patient. Are you shitting me? Are, yep. 10 million came from the um, feds 
but $27 million. Never saw a patient because wow. it was going to be all hands on deck. It was 2.5 million people are going to die, guaranteed. And that's with, you know, sheltering at home. Yeah, that's those oh, are the wait. numbers I heard the, in the beginning. Yep, and they were 20 times wrong. Wow. But everybody is still running around, you know, the sky is falling. You know, oh, here's the it. thing. It's it's very scary. It's it's real. It's dangerous. But we're going to have to figure this shit out. You got it. Because got we it. can't go... We can't just keep on, you know, hiding in our basements, hoping that it gets better. No. It ain't gonna. No, and that's and that's the thing, and that's that's something I'm starting to come to, you know, to grips with now is is just like the flu. When they do the flu vaccines, I was talking with someone recently. They do the flu vaccines, and it only stops like a certain percentage of the different variations out there. And so it's like right, the COVID there's all different thing, strains. Totally, and not only that, but if if we got exposed as a country to this 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 pandemic. Um, with just a handful of people, it's going to keep circulating around. Someone who doesn't have symptoms, somebody has... The only way to really truly stop this thing is to, you know, test every single person, test them again in two weeks, figure out who has it, keep them in lockdown, and then just hope nobody from another country comes here that has it. You know? Yeah, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. that will never happen. That will never happen. You're almost going to have to come... You're going to have to come to the realization that sooner than later, you're just going to have to do herd immunity and... Yeah, and if you're vulnerable, if you're old, or if you care for somebody like that, man, you're going to have to take super precautions. Yeah, because it that virus is a total asshole exactly. to old people, and well, people I, have special, you know, certain conditions. I have, I have those conditions. You know, I'm overweight. I got high blood pressure. I was diabetic. I reversed it with uh, with diet, but I'm probably honestly, yeah. I'm probably diabetic again because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 250 pounds, five foot seven. You know. And it's and I okay. haven't been eating very well since I've lived here or since this thing's been going on. And so it's like, yeah, I, I take the precautions. And that's largely why I wear the mask. And honestly, I wear the mask out of out of, you know, uh, 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 respect for other people, too, because it's like and sure. I know I see a lot of people who don't wear the mask, um, but we do still go out once in a while. You know, I, I don't sit here and hunker mm-hmm. down and and sit hit at home for the last three months. We go out, we get takeout, we support our local business, you know, um, Sure, absolutely. That kind of stuff. You know, yeah, we take precautions. We bring it home. And honestly, what I did was one of our favorite restaurants is this Chinese restaurant. And I, I mean, to the point where I can call her up and she knows me by name. She knows what I ordered. All that kind of <laughs> stuff. And uh, and we got these plastic containers that they sent home with us. And so what we did was we kept them. And so now we they're washed. We bring the food in. We pour yeah. them into that. And then, you know, and then we take care of it. We, we dish it out onto the plates that we're going to eat. And the leftovers go in those new washed sure. containers and they go in the fridge, you know. And... Um, yeah, you know, and so it's like within reason, you know, I'm not, I'm not going crazy about it. And it's, uh, and you know, when I go out and and I'm just driving around in my car, I don't wear a mask. When I go to target, I wear a mask, you know? Um, and again, it's, and I realize I'm not, I'm not naive enough to think that that's going to completely block everything because I I have eyes, you know, I have the, the mask. It, I, I saw an interview one time where. The guy was basically saying it was it was a medical professional. He's like, it, it might have been Fauci. He's like, if anything, those masks are going to keep you from touching your face. Okay, that yeah. works for me. That's good for yeah, me. It, you know. Yeah. You know what, what? And a lot of it is it makes you feel good, and your immune system isn't directly related to feeling. It's yeah. directly related. If you're depressed, if you have high anxiety, etc., that does hit your immune system. If you're generally a happy person and you're healthy. 
your immune system is going to be decent. It's going to be you decent, know, you're right. Generally speaking. Yeah, yeah. Generally speaking. So, I mean, if you're sitting at home completely catastrophizing, if you're watching whatever news, no matter what the channel is, and it's the scrolling death rate underneath it, how dare they? That is just some low-down shit. Yeah. All they're trying to do is, you know, scare people. You know, it's like, and it's just sound bites from the president, sound bites from Fauci, sound bites from whoever. You know, a five-second sound bite, and they're not listening to the hour interview. Yeah, they're well, just picking and choosing, and it ain't fair. It is not right, and it's some low-down shit. It's well, like you said, if if it bleeds, you know, it's 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 yep. that kind of news, and unfortunately. I, I have to agree with you there. It's you. Well, shit. It, this has been brought up on the podcast a couple times. We found out that they have proof that there's basically UFOs out there, and it's just brushed under the carpet. You know. Yep. I mean, they, <laughs> it's like if that had happened but, ten like, years ago, people would have been like, "Holy shit!" That would have been on front page of everything. You know. Well, here's the thing: the city that I work in right now, a week ago, the chief came out, which I was impressed and kind of shocked. He said. The homicide rate is 110% higher than what it was at this time last year. Non-fatal shootings are up like over 30%. If wow. this, if the COVID thing was not going on, they'd be calling for his head. Because the chief is the first person to go. They're yeah. the mayor's best friend until until things turn south. Then all of a sudden, the mayor don't like him no more. I've yeah. seen it time and time again. And it's like, hey, this this guy or gal is rocking it, man. They're, they're doing everything I want them to do. You know, blah, 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 blah. Oh shit. Things are going sideways. Yeah. We want to fire you now. Goodbye. Well, you need that. You need that scapegoat, you know, and that's. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. That's politics. And I hate it. Politics. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) Well, Hey Patrick, I do Patrick or Pat. Either one is fine. Okay. That's, that's, uh, I'll call you Pat. That's what that was my brother's name. That was one of the cool. people who died was Pat. So, um, in fact, he'd be about. I'm your very age. sorry to hear that. No, no, it's and, okay. and it's one of those things. It's it's. I've gotten to where it's matter of fact. It's it's. I don't. I don't feel. You know. I mean, yeah, there was that initial loss, but it's it's one of those things. That it's part of sure. life. It's part of life. You know. So. But um. Anyway, uh, Pat, it was good talking with you. I really appreciate you coming on. Um. And uh, you gave me some really uh, interesting things, you know, food for thought. Uh, definitely, um, definitely get get me those links. I, I'd love to share the, you know, the books and the audio books yeah. and all that stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, for those of you listening, definitely check it out because um, yeah, post-apocalyptic stories are fun, especially right now. So. <laughs> yeah, that is a true story. We're kind of living them right We're now. Yeah, it's like all these people that thought all these people that thought preppers were these weirdos that had six months of toilet paper in their basement, water, and this and that. It's like, are they really that weird? Yeah, right. Mm. <laughs> That's my wife just finished listening to the stand, and she's like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> so, well, hey, man, you take care. All right, you too. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. And that was my conversation with Patrick O'Donnell. Pretty cool stuff with, uh, you know, hearing his close calls, hearing that feeling of peace. You know, I've talked to other people where they came close to the edge and they had that feeling of peace. So anyway, if you'd like to learn more about Patrick O'Donnell, I'm going to include links to his books in the show notes, as well as uh, copsandwriters.com. So in the meantime, make sure you take care of each other. Have more respect for each other and have yourself a good day and make sure to have yourself a damn good life. Peace out.